Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord for our worship team. And they did a good job tonight. Because we had a praise and we had to get it out. Isn't that right? Thank you, Jesus. Uh, <clears throat> turn over to James chapter 5, verse 13, and then we'll pray and we'll get started. We talked two weeks ago before Jim Hockaday came. We talked about prayer and we're going to talk about prayer again tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just see what the Holy Spirit will say and what he wants to do tonight. He's already done a bunch, but we'll, we'll see. I'm sure he's got more. <clears throat> Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this night and this time together. Lord, we thank you for the anointing. We thank you, Lord, that it destroys the yoke and removes the burden. Lord, we, don't, we, we esteem that anointing. We esteem the Holy Ghost. We thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for baptizing us in the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, we love you and welcome you into our lives and into our church. And thank you for being our helper. And Lord, you're helping us tonight. And Lord, you're helping us to go higher and to go further and to, to go to new levels of anointing, new levels of faith, new levels of utterance in the name of Jesus. We believe that. And Lord, we take hold of that in the name of, we just receive all of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for this body. Thank you, Father, that you're knitting us together in the bond of love. And thank you, Father, that um, you are increasing this body and adding to us. You're sending people, and you spoke by your prophet that you were sending people that were muscle-bound, but you also said you were sending people that were wanted all of God, all that God had. You're sending people that want to that don't want to play church. Hallelujah. So thank you, Father, for them ahead of time. We thank you, Lord God, that we're increasing, that we double this year, and we double again in Jesus' name. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for double finances to get the job done. Uh, yeah. Hallelujah. And thank you, Lord, the Holy, Spirit's be, be, Holy Spirit be our helper to uh, penetrate and break down anything in Tuscaloosa County that would be against or, or, or hindrance to the, the gospel, the good news. And, Lord, we give you all the praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Are you in James chapter 5, verse 13? Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders, over, elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not wait, might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Now we talked two weeks ago, and we won't go into this much, but we talked about how it says, Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. It didn't say, if you're afflicted, call your friends and get the prayer chain and, uh, or call the preacher even. It says, no, when you're afflicted, the very first thing you ought to do is you pray. And so much could be taken care of if we would just do what the Word says and do it just exactly like the Word says to do it. So many times we've just kind of bent the Word and we're just kind of generally doing what the Word says instead of 
really doing what the word says. So when you're afflicted, and afflicted is not necessarily sick, but it's really just somebody that's got a problem. Anybody that's suffering a trouble or a problem, you've got a trial. Anybody's got a trial. You got a trial with your kids. You got a. But so many times we pick up the phone and try to find somebody else to do our praying for us. And I'll tell you, folks, you know, you we can teach on prayer till Jesus comes back, but really there's just one good way. It's great to learn about prayer from other people, but you just got to get in there and do it. You just got to get in there and do it. There, you know, it's kind of like trying to learn about, to ride a bicycle by reading a book. You can read all about riding a bicycle, but you can't really learn to ride a bicycle without getting on that thing. Isn't that the truth? I mean, there's just no way to learn to ride a bicycle without getting on it. And it's the way prayer is. You just got to get on it. And you just got to get in there. And, uh, and, you know, some things you'll learn by just doing. And a real good thing is to pray with somebody that knows a little bit more than you do. If you can just kind of get in there and, and, uh, and, and uh, do what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says watch and pray. And, you know, we would have been in a lot of Brother Hagen meetings. And, uh, uh. We would, a lot of times, instead of praying, we'd watch him pray. We'd keep one eye, watch how he did it. You know what I'm saying? We was watching and praying. We was kind of praying, but we was doing a lot more watching, cause, and we learned things just being in their presence and listening to them. And, you know, my grandmother was a prayer and learned things to praying with her. Uh, and um, hallelujah. And, you know, prayer's not always, I love to pray now, but prayer's not always comfortable. I love to pray once I get to praying. Let me say it that way. But our flesh, it fights us. And it always will, folks. And you're, you, you think, well, Pastor and Miss Debbie, they pray because they love to and their flesh don't fight them. No, my flesh fights me on praying. My flesh wants to do everything in the world but pray. But now once I get going, I'm loving it. Once I get into it, and once I get into it, man, I tell you, I'm, I, I, I love, and especially once God starts talking to you, and you start, man, you start knowing you're doing business in the Spirit, you start loving it. But boy, the flesh fights prayer, and the devil fights it too. Hallelujah. But the flesh fights prayer. And you know, it's, you, it, you have to sometimes work to get into a place of prayer. I mean, you have to, you know, I know that Bevington guy, C.G. Bevington, I think his name was, in his book on, I think it's called something about miracles. Anyway, he talks about getting in a hollow log to pray. And I mean, sometimes you just got to get in a hollow log. You got to get somewhere. I know uh, uh, Lynn Hammond talked about getting in the back, get, having company in her house. And y'all know how hard it is to pray with company? Huh? Well, she would just get up early in the morning before the company got up and go get in the back seat of the car and lay down. You know? Hallelujah. Sometimes you've got to fight to find that place of prayer, that place where you can get out and get over there. And hallelujah. But it's worth it. And I tell you what, there's things that, will, that you'll never get done. It'll never happen unless you pray. Nobody can do that for you. There's some things. And we know he goes on there say, is any Mary, let him sing psalms. And we know that when you wake up happy in the morning, you don't call somebody and say, would you sing for me because I'm real happy today. <laughs> no, if you wake up happy in the morning, you sing while you're getting ready. You sing in the shower. You don't want to go over and tap your husband on the shoulder and say, sing this morning because I'm really happy. No, we well, see, we just like we do our own rejoicing, we do our own singing, we do our own praying for the most part. 
Hallelujah. But thank God for the body that we pray for each other. But for the most part, you're supposed to be doing your own praying. And not only that, God's given you, uh, there's people that you're responsible for. Folks, I'm not, you're, women, you're pro- responsible for your husband to pray for him. I'm not praying for your husband. I'm praying for mine. And he keeps me busy. No. Not too busy. And now I'm not praying for your kids. I'm praying for mine. And for years they kept me way busy. Hallelujah. They did. And you know, now I'm not saying I never pray for my congregation. I do pray for my congregation. But you know, usually we just pray for the people of Word of Life Fellowship. And then sometimes as we're praying in the Spirit, somebody's face will come before us and we mention them. Or if we have a prayer request from you, we'll pray for that. But to just get down every day and call each one of you by name, I'm going to be honest with you, that don't happen. Why? For one thing, we're not praying by a list. We're praying by, not all of you need prayer every day. And when you do, the Holy Spirit brings you to our minds and to our hearts. And besides all that, God, when God's got it covered, He don't need duplication. You know, the, the religious world says, oh, I just, it, you know, you'll say, well, uh, they'll say, we'll pray for us. And we'll say, they'll say, we'll say, okay, I will. And they say, man, you just can't get enough people praying for you. Well, why duplicate if God's got it covered? Hallelujah. If two people have got you, you know, there may be two people, specific people, that the Holy Spirit has laid you on their heart, and man, they are doing it. They're doing the job. Well, He don't need to lay it on three more people. You know, that's how we get the whole world taken care of, is we each do what the Holy Spirit lays on our heart, and the Holy Spirit is the divine orchestrator, and He gets it all covered. He gets it all taken care of. If all of us in this room are praying for Kevin, then there's a bunch of you not getting prayed for. But all of us in this room aren't praying for Kevin. There might be one or two people that said, Man, you know, God's given me the job of praying for that worship team. Boy, I am on him every day. I know one person that's on him every day. And her name is Judy Durham. And she lives in Birmingham, Alabama. And she does not let that guy rest. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, every time he tries to step out of the will of God, something slaps him back in. And it's, I, that is the truth. That is, and it's his mother's prayers. My son told me, my older son, when he was in high school, he said, I tried to sin. And I'd get right on the edge of it, and I just, and I wanted to, and I couldn't go through with it. That's, i tell you what it was, is me and his daddy's prayers. Because I, I mean, you know, I was on it. Now, I didn't always know exactly, but I was out there on that. Hallelujah. His senior year in high school. Hallelujah. Woo. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And I didn't know what I was exactly praying about, but I knew I was praying about something. Hallelujah. We got through. Hallelujah. We made it through, folks. We made it through. Hallelujah. <clears throat> and I tell you, that's what you're responsible to pray for your kids. You might as well just get in there and you may say, I'm not very fluid or I'm not very, you know, Miss Debbie prays more fluid. Well, hallelujah, it don't matter. Just get in there and do it nasty. Just get in there and do it messy. Just get in there, hallelujah. If you can't say it fluently, well, just say it just garbled up, hallelujah, however you got to say it. But get on those kids. 
Get on them and get on those grandkids. I tell you, my, grand, my mom and dad didn't know enough to pray when I was a kid, but two grandparents that were just Baptist. Well, she got to not be Baptist about the time I got in high school. She got baptized in the Holy Ghost and hallelujah. But um, just two grandparents praying for their grandkids. Hallelujah. And, you know, just changed our lives. Those two grandparents kept me from ever, never got into sin, not one time. And my parents were now on the heathen. I mean, they were saved, but they didn't go to church and they was out going. I went to nightclubs with them. I went to the horse races with them. I was betting on the horse races when I was a little kid, giving my daddy $2 to go put on the horse races. A $2 bet. Hallelujah. They smoked, both of them. My mom was sending me in with money to buy cigarettes because you could do that back then. There wasn't any laws against that. And I was buying cigarettes for them. I, my daddy my dad say, light me a cigarette. I'd put it in my mouth and light it. Never smoked. Never had a desire to. Never crossed my mind to. Why? My grandmother and grandfather praying. That was all it was. I mean, the prayer is powerful. Hallelujah. You need, I mean, I am not kidding you. Hallelujah. We've got pictures. When I was in high school, my dad on New Year's Eve served us. We served us drinks. We had, I don't know what we had, champagne or something for New Year's. Hallelujah. I got a picture of him with a champagne glass in his hand. Hallelujah. But it didn't stick. It was just like I was Teflon coated. It would not stick because of my grandparents' prayers. Amen. Just couldn't stick to me. It tried. But it didn't stick. No rebellion, never thought to rebel. It was my grandparents' prayers. I had a lot of rebellion around me. I mean, it wasn't like I was, you know, in a, my mom and dad were not particular. They were very, let me hang around with, they didn't keep me locked in a closet is what I'm saying. I got to go out with the kids at our school. <laughs> of course, it wasn't like it was today, I know. But still, plenty of other my friends got found plenty of ways to get in trouble. But it was grandmother's prayers. Hallelujah, it's powerful. So get in there and, and do it messy. But just one of, the, one of the most important things is being consistent. Just every day. That's what I did with my kids. I couldn't tell you that I prayed real proficient prayers. I couldn't tell you. I didn't even know a lot about prayer at that time. I know a lot more about prayer now than I did then. But I was consistent every day. Every day, seven days a week, I was up early praying for my kids, speaking the word over them. I had a little list of scriptures, which is available to you on the back table, the ones I used, and I had, and I prayed in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And then I parented. That's another thing I did. I was always in their face. Always in their face. Especially Colin. I was always in his face. Hallelujah. Always. He was, I was always coming here, let's talk about this. Hallelujah. In fact, not too long ago, it, it was before Christmas, I said, the, all of them were over there, and I said, uh, we need to have a family conference. And Colin looked over at Carter and said, you'll grow to hate this. <laughs> but actually, all I wanted to do was let's plan what we're going to do at Christmas, you know. He, but he was paranoid, you know. Oh, no, no, here we're going to get it. Because we had a lot of family conferences. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to sit down and talk about this. And we talked and we talked and we talked. And we told them, don't you th think about this. Think about this. You know, I know one time, I don't know why I'm off on this. I'm I've got a whole list of notes. But one time, Colin came in. 
the back door. He walked right by. His dad came to me. He said, Mama, I've been in a fight. I'm like, why didn't you tell your dad? I was thinking, instead of me. But it's like, you know, kids, that's one of the things about being a kid is kids never think of consequences. And, you know, he had gotten a fight defending one of his friends that somebody smarted off to. I mean, he was supposedly defending one of his Christian friends or something. But anyway, you know, I, have, I sit him down and I, I have to talk to him. Now, what, what would I think what would have happened? Colin, you've got to use your head. You've got to think. What would have happened if the cops had come up? What would have happened this? What would, you know, you've got to think, you know. And so I'm constantly, you say, that sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. See, people don't think about that before they have babies. You know, they're not, you know, sometimes like, oh, I want a little baby. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah, but they don't, they're like puppies. They don't stay cute. <laughs> they don't. I know we have friend, uh, y'all might know him, David and Roxanne Swan, heard of him anyway. And uh, she had, they had four, and she was like, you know, and some people just love babies. Oh, just, oh, I just love babies. She was like that. I was like, let's get them about five. You know, I'm like, you know, let's skip all that and go to about five quick. <laughs> That's how I was. But anyway, um, um, <laughs> I like them toilet trained, sleeping all night, feeding themselves, hallelujah, and understanding English. And, I, and, and you know, and able to reason with them a little bit. <laughs> hallelujah. That's when I start really liking my kids. Hallelujah. I'm just teasing, y'all. I loved my babies. Hallelujah. But I, I wasn't just craving babies because they're cute, you know. And, uh, but anyway, you know, and so Roxanne was t like telling her mother, well, you know, I'm trying because they were thinking of stopping this permanently, you know. And so uh, uh, Roxanne was like, mother, I just can't decide if this is the last one or if I need to have some more. And so mother said to Roxanne, her mother said to her, said, Roxanne, you've got to decide, do you want a baby or do you want to raise a child? You know, there's a world of difference in having a little cute baby and raising a child all the way to 18, which they say costs $160,000 to do right now. So think about that, too. Now, I'm not trying to talk any of you out of it or into it. Hallelujah. But I'm just saying, as parents, we got to be responsible. And you're not just responsible. You know, some people, some parents think, well, I, or some daddies especially, well, I'm feeding them, I'm bringing home a paycheck, and it's uh, my responsibility is over there. Well, slap yourself, sir, <laughs> because that is not the truth. There it is, work, 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 and you've got a responsibility. No matter if, it, well, it's I have all girls. I don't have any. Girls need a daddy. Boys need a daddy. Hallelujah. And you know, there's things mama can say daddy can't, and there's things daddy can say mama can't. And a lot of times if daddy gets in there, daddy, you know, what, what has to be said is cut in about three quarters. Because I know it at my house, they always kind of knew, well, Colin says it this way, you never knew when mom was just going to go off. But dad, it was very measured and methodical, and you knew what was coming. You know? It's like, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I had a lot of bark, but they weren't real scared. But when dad got the paddle, they were pretty sure and convinced how exactly it was going to be. Amen? Hallelujah. So how would we get on that? Well, some of you's pulling, and you're drawing me off, so quit it. 
Amen. Uh, and then it says in verse 14, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. I want you to say this with me. Let him call. You know, we're always trying to get people healed, and we're calling for them. And they're laying up there in the hospital room watching TV, and you want us to go get them healed sometime, and they don't even turn the TV off, and they got a room full of unbelieving kin folks. No, you know, it don't do no good if they don't call. What you need to say is, if you'll call my church, somebody will come pray for you. And you know what? If they don't ever get, get around, if they don't have enough whatever inside them to call, don't worry about it. It's not going to happen anyway. It's not going to happen. If you, if you can't get them to come to church, I know we have sometimes, we've had women come to church and they'd say, oh, my husband's home dying of cancer. Y'all pray for him. We'll get him to come to church. Well, he won't. Well, it's not going to do us a bit. If he won't even get up and come to church, well, can he get out of the bed? Yeah. Does he go anywhere else? Oh, yeah, he goes other places. But he's not going to come to church. Well, forget it. Hallelujah. Start planning your cruise, lady. I mean it. My, I know my aunt, when her husband died, well, she started spending that money going on cruises. Hallelujah. I know that sounds awful, but if he won't get himself up and come, now you can pray for a change of heart and mind. You can pray that. But if something don't change in his heart and mind, it's not going, nothing's going to change in the body. It's the truth even if it's not pretty. And it's not what you hear in religious circles. Oh, we got him on the prayer chain. We got a list of, we've got a marker board at the front of the church and we have got no less than 125 people on the marker board and nobody's doing much of anything really except calling out a new name on Wednesday night for us to write down. Oh, hallelujah. Okay, so he says, Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And you know, really, if you look in the Greek, this is uh, actually, Brother Hagin says that P.C. Nelson, who was the foremost Greek authority in that day, said that this actually means is anyone beyond helping themselves. If someone's beyond helping themselves, let them call for the elders of the church. Now, let me make a little qualification on that. If you know somebody in a coma, go ahead and call for them, okay? Hallelujah. If they're in a coma or if they're, uh, they, they, they can't speak for some reason, go ahead and call for them. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. I just read a testimony about a lady in a coma for two months. And in intercessors, her sister happened to be a member of a group that was intercessors. And for two months, they were 24 hours a day in that room. And when they left the room, when the shift would change, they would say to each other, don't let her die on your shift. And after two months, her eyes popped open. 
You know, and I, hey, I'm a great one for prayer, and we ought not to give up. And praise God if you've got a sister that will stand that long with you. Amen. But when you've got one live, he's alive. I mean, he's alert. It's different than when you've got one in a coma. If he's alert and he's got cancer, and I don't know why I'm picking on the men, and, and he won't come to church with you, you've got a different situation. Amen? Does everybody got that? Well, we won't belabor it. <clears throat> Maybe you say I already did, but <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Um, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick. Verse 15. The prayer of faith shall save the sick. And the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Listen, if you're going to call for the elders of the church, then you don't need to have a, well, let's call and see if anything will happen attitude. No, you need to have the attitude of, bless God, I'm calling for the elders of the church, and bless God, and you shouldn't even call for somebody that don't know how to pray the prayer of faith. Just forget it if they don't know how to pray the prayer of faith. But if you, you call somebody and they, you ought to have the attitude, they will come, they will pray the prayer of faith. Bless God, the prayer of faith will save the sick. I will be healed. I will recover. I will rise up. We're not trying this to see if it'll work. There's got to be some faith on your part too. And part of the faith, part of the way we know you've got a little smidgen of faith is that you called. That proves you've got a little something. You know, it, in Jesus' day, it was the people that called out to him, that cried out to him, blind Bartimaeus. He was sitting there on the side of the road, and he was hollering, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Faith ain't pretty, folks. I like what Mark Hankins said. He said, you know, some people would have great faith if they weren't so prim and proper. You're not going to get it being prim and proper and stiff and religious and, you know, can't be embarrassed, full of pride. Listen, if you've got sickness or in your body, first thing you need to get rid of is pride. Pride goeth before a fall. God resists the proud. That's right. And when you start sitting on the street corner saying, screaming, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. See, he called for the elders of the church, if you want to say it that way. Crying out to Jesus. Crying out. Sometimes we have God, we, we, we say, no, Lord, I want you to heal me, but I want you to heal me in this little box standing right here. I don't want to step out of my box. You come here and you do it right here just like I want you to do it. Just, and you know he's not going to. And that's why, we're, that's why, we're, we're, that's why we jump and run. Because, you know, oh, no, no, you just heal me sitting right here in the pew. Now, Lord, you know, I've had people literally tell me this. Uh, Lord, the Lord knows that I need healing, and if he wants to heal me, he will, he'll just do it. Well, no, he won't. You didn't get saved that way. The Lord wants to save me, he'll just do it. We think that's crazy. He wants to save everybody, and he's not just doing it. 
If he wants to deliver me from drugs, he'll just do it. Well, we know he's not going to do that. He's just going to let them shoot up and sniff up. and well, I don't know what all they do. Snort, snort, and I don't know. I, don't know. <laughs> I never did it. I don't know. But he'll just let them do it forever. Till they go home to be with him or go to hell, one or the other. Why? Because that's not how he operates. That's not his operating system. Well, if he, God wants, I actually know people, God wants to heal me, he'll heal me in my church. There's some people that aren't healed, that have faith to be healed, because they want it done in their church. In their unbelieving church. Hallelujah. You know, did y'all notice in Corinthians, I don't know if y'all ever read this, and I can't even know, I don't have time to find it. But it says, uh, come ye out from among unbelief. And a lot of people got this idea that they can, you know, it's not pleasant to leave your unbelieving kinfolks and just not hang around them. Yeah, I mean, some of y'all act like, well, Miss Pastor and Miss Debbie, we've even actually had people, don't y'all like your parents? Yeah, we like them, we love them. But I'll honestly tell you, we couldn't spend a lot of time with them. Or we would be totally saturated in unbelief. And, and, and you know, they're Christians. Praise God, and we're thrilled about that. They're going to heaven, all of our parents. We got six of them. They're all going to heaven. But... <clears throat> And, you know, some of them, one of them especially is kind of growing and getting more into faith. But about five of them out of the six <laughs> aren't interested in growing at all. They're real satisfied right where they're at. Hallelujah. They're, gonna, they, they're confident they're going to miss hell, and they are. And we're thrilled. But, you know, and some of you think we, you know, and we have friends. You, you, but you know, you like, somehow it's like, I'm going to be the exception. Some of you have this attitude. I'm going to be the exception. I'm going to be able to hang around with an unbeliever and I can overcome it, uh, overcome it. But you know, it's so funny that Jesus couldn't. It's so funny you're above Jesus. Because Jesus couldn't. He could, Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, perfect faith, could not overcome their unbelief. He had to take a man out of town one time to heal him. At one, in one place, he said he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. His faith wouldn't work around them. And we're hanging around people, friends, relatives. And I'm talking about spending extended time. I'm not talking about that, well, I can't be with you. No. Hallelujah. But sometimes we just have to be polite. And then we just have to kind of go our own way. And it's not, you know, we're not proud of that. We're not happy about it. But I, your faith has to work. It's a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death. Hallelujah. So is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And you say, well, y'all don't anoint with oil. Well, yeah, we do. We have an anointing bottle right here. But we kind of just set this up here. For y'all to look at. <laughs> we hardly ever use it. Because why don't we anoint with oil? Well because you don't really need to anoint with oil. When the tangible anointing is present. Right. 
And, you know, this is kind of insinuating that the elders are going to their house, or maybe in our case it would be a hospital room, and there's no tangible anointing present. And so in that case, you probably would anoint with oil. You don't have to because the Bible says we can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. But I'm going to tell you honestly, I cannot remember the last time even one of our church members here called us and said, Pastor, come pray the prayer of faith and I will be healed. I mean, even if you don't think you're going to just jump out of the hospital room and say, praise God, don't need that anymore, let's run the... You know, even if you don't think that, you, could, you can pray the prayer of faith at any level. You know what I'm saying? Come here and pastor and you pray the prayer of faith and I believe that this surgery will be supernatural and I believe, you know, believe something. If you can't believe the whole thing, believe something. And I've been there when I couldn't believe the whole thing, but I could believe something. I could believe that I wouldn't have pain. I, could, I believed one time I was going to have surgery, and, and I ain't going to have any more, but I believed that I was going to have surgery. That's my confession. I believed I was going to have surgery, and I just believed I wasn't going to have any gas. And if you've ever had surgery, you know, you better believe you ain't going to have any gas. Because <laughs> when they open you up, they leave air in there, and when they close you back up, you feel like a balloon. <laughs> And it ain't fun, and it ain't pretty. <laughs> Believe something. If they say it's going to take six weeks to recover, some of you have set your faith that it will take six weeks to the day. Well, no, I'm going to believe it's going to take two and a half. And I'll be up and going in two and a half weeks at full throttle. Believe something. And call for the elders of the church. Amen. we got to believe something, folks. Okay, I'm trying to get to this. The prayer of faith shall save. The word save. The word save right there in verse 15. And the prayer of faith shall save. This is not just for healing. This scripture is not just for healing. Because it says the, it's the Greek word sozo. And W.E. Vine's dictionary says that this is a verb. Everybody knows what a verb is. What's a verb? An action word. Hallelujah. Y'all were good students. An action word, and it means deliverance. It means preservation. The prayer of faith shall cause deliverance, we could say, and not just save the sick. The prayer of faith shall cause preservation. The prayer of faith, it means soundness of mind. The prayer of faith will cause soundness of mind. Amen. Healing. We've already talked about that. Material deliverance, or it would be financial deliverance. The prayer of faith. That word saved means financial deliverance. The prayer of faith can cause financial deliverance. Protection. The prayer of faith, protection. It means to do well. It means to make whole. Sozo. The Greek word sozo. Save. And all of these blessings that are in that Greek word saved, all of these blessings can be obtained by the prayer of faith. All of the blessings in that word saved can be obtained by the prayer of faith. In verse 17, 
Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. It rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. The Williams translation says, Elijah was a man with feelings just like ours. The Living Bible says he was completely human. In other words, what uh, uh, James is wanting you to know here is that Elijah was not a supernatural anointed man he was just a normal man he's just like me and you and his prayers were mighty and your prayers can be mighty too yes Knox (coughs) translation says Elijah was only a mortal man like ourselves the century translation says Elijah for instance was a human being just like us the Schofield translation says Remember Elijah? He was just an ordinary dude like one of us. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. It says he had like passions. That means he had affections. He had emotions. He had desires. He had feelings. Elijah... Now, the reason God used, or James used Elijah, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, so we could say God. Hallelujah. The reason... Elijah was used as the example here for a righteous man praying is because Elijah was a type and shadow of the New Testament believer. Now this is important that we know this because we're going to, I'm going to show you some things here. Elijah was a type and shadow of the New Testament believer. Number one, I'm going to give you several ways he was a type and shadow. And we saw it right here. He stopped it from raining with his prayers for three and a half years, and then we know he prayed and it rained. We're New Testament believers, and actually we're not just like Elijah in the sense that he was not even born again. And we're born again, we're new creations on the inside, and he wasn't. But in, a, in the human sense, we're just like him. You see what I mean? He was not divine. He was not a supernatural man in that sense. And so... Um, He stopped it from raining with his prayers. The New Testament believer also has authority over the weather, the elements. He was a type and shadow of us having authority over the weather, the weather, the elements. Mark 4.39, it says, Jesus rebuked the wind and said unto the sea. We know that as he is, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. If Jesus, we know greater the, the works that Jesus does and greater works shall we do. If Jesus rebuked wind and spoke to the sea, then what, what does that mean? I'm a New Testament believer. I have authority over wind. I can, ha- I can speak to the sea. You say, well, will it work? Well, there's a condition. Mark eleven twenty three and does not doubt in his heart. The more you develop your faith, the less you doubt in your heart, the more these things work for you. I was listening to a man on TV the other day, and he was talking about how he lives in Colorado, and he lives out and has horses, and how it was uh, all just brush and scrub, and he needed grass for his horses to graze, and so he just started speaking to the pasture, According, he found scriptures in Isaiah where it says he caused the desert to bloom and all that kind of stuff. And he started speaking to the pastures and you could actually, and then he built fence around his and you could actually see just the line where his was green and the other was brown and dead, just old scrub. 
and he had green grass growing and he did it all by speaking. And he said, and he said, he said this, and I thought this is good. He said, it hasn't worked for me every time I've spoken because sometimes I doubt it in my heart. But I'm developing myself where I don't doubt in my heart. And now it's working more and more and more. And that's the way with us. I've, I mean, you know, there's been times when I wanted to stop the wind because I was having a picnic or something. And I doubted in my heart. And I didn't have very good success. I didn't have any success, as a matter of fact, speaking to it. But then there's been times when I was like, bless God, tornado, you will lift up, you will lift up now. And I, hallelujah. So what do you do? Well, you just keep rooting out. You just keep acting on your faith and rooting out the unbelief. Amen. Number two, in 1 Kings 18, verse 36, uh, we see another place where he's a type of the New Testament believer. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant, that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. So we know that Elijah called fire down from heaven. How is that a type of the New Testament believer? Well, that's a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. And in 1 Corinthians 2, 4, it says, And my speech and my preaching of the Holy Ghost was not in enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and the power. As New Testament believers, we have demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. And you know, we have them all the time. Pastor and I have demonstrations of the Holy Ghost all the time. Now, it's not always fire falling down from heaven, but we've had lots of demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. I mean, we've told mo uh, uh, gophers to get out of our yard and uh, had a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. They left our yard. Amen. And I just can't tell you the things that we've had. As, I mean, it's just too many to list tonight. All the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. We're to have demonstrations. I tell you, running is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Dancing is a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Do you want to have a demonstration of the Holy Ghost? You're going to have to get in the flow. Some of you are waiting for God to throw you in the aisle. He ain't going to do it. And take hold of your legs and turn them up and down. No, he's not going to do it. But I will tell you this. I have literally had, I've literally done that where I stepped out in faith and started dancing in the Holy Spirit and something got in my legs and I couldn't quit. <laughs> I mean, because you step out and he will take hold with you. And I tell you, I, it was like, <laughs> and it was like, when I got through, it was like, I'm not in that good a shape, Lord. Could you? Because you think, well, if the Holy Ghost does it, it won't strain any muscles. Don't kid yourself. It will. Because it's still your muscles, folks. Amen. You know, being slain in the Spirit. And I'm not talking about courtesy falls. Y'all heard of those. We had a little, I know one time Seminole, we was praying for some little kids. And we got, and we prayed for Natalie Gann was her name we prayed for her and she got slain in spirit and she had brought a little friend and so Michael and she had just come up to be prayed for because Natalie did and so uh, my, Michael got to her and Michael prayed for her and when she finished getting prayed for she looked down at Natalie like that and she just sat down and laid down <laughs> 
It's like, oh, that's what you're supposed to, kind of like when you go to the Catholic church, you know, you visit, and you, you look down, they're kneeling, you all kneel. Or I know we went to a Pentecostal church one time, and they didn't have to be told to stand. They just spontaneously stood and got up. And I would be sitting there, and all of a sudden I'd look around, everybody standing up. And then I'd be standing up, and I'd look around, and everybody would be sitting up. It's kind of like they just had a cue or something to know. I don't know how they knew when to stand and get up. Hallelujah. But anyway, demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> then in First King, Hallelujah. No, you're going <laughs> to... You're going you're gonna to have to step out there. You're going to have to get in the aisle. Amen. First Kings 17. Whew. You're going to have Hallelujah. Uh, verse 12. <laughs> well, First <laughs> Kings 17, verse 12. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal and a barrel and a little oil and a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said unto her, Fear not, go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. We know that's exactly what happened. They had supernatural provision. I want to tell you something. As a believer, a New Testament believer, you can expect supernatural provision from God. Hallelujah. Matthew 14, Jesus multiplied the five loaves and the two fishes. Glory, he's still in the multiplying business. He just needs your faith. He needs your voice. You're going to have to do the speaking. You're going to have to do the talking. Hallelujah. God's not up in heaven. He's not speaking things into the earth. He needs a man to do the speaking. He needs a man or a woman to do the speaking and the talking. Hallelujah. And we need to start commanding our money to multiply. You to hallelujah. If you need food, oh, call the pastor. No. Start speaking to that loaf of bread. Amen. How come we want to tell man first? I tell you, I love the old timers. And they, you know what? When they had lack in their house, they went and got on their knees in their bedroom until somebody brought groceries to their house by the Holy Ghost. If you have a need, go pray. You don't need to tell anybody. Hallelujah. You know, that's the reason we don't see more supernatural provision is because we're telling Instead of going and saying, God, you promised that the righteous had never been forsaken, that their seed has never begged for bread. We need to tell God. Hallelujah. I know uh, uh, Ruth Ward Heflin's mother, I think her name was Edith. They say, you know, they'd take the offering at their church and she'd be asking God for a certain amount to pay some bill and they'd count it. It wasn't enough. She'd go pray and come back and count it again. It wasn't enough. She'd come back and she'd call. Well, let's call the board. Well, in our kind of churches, the buck stops here. There's no board to call. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and, you, you know, and so she'd go and she'd, uh, you know, 
And then you get, I've heard of this, I've never seen it done, but I've heard that get into a service and say, okay, we need a, we need a hundred dollars. Who will give five? Who, has anybody ever seen that? Who will give five? Who will give, okay, now we got 20. Okay, who will give some more? Who will give some, yeah. oh, just coercing it out of the, why don't we pray? Amen. Hallelujah. And she'd go pray, and then she'd go back and count, and she would do it all day if that's what it took. And guess what? Eventually, I believe in money multiplying. Eventually, it'd be enough. Amen. Supernatural provision. Pastor and I have lived on supernatural provision. I look back on some of these years, and I go, I don't know how we paid that car payment. I don't know how we paid that house payment. I, it's just not, I don't know how we did that. Well, we just did it believing God. It's real, real easy. It's easier to believe God than it is to go that old unbelieving route. Uh, number uh, four, uh, he, it, in Acts 17, verse 17, right after Right after that supernatural provision, it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. He took him out of her bosom, carried him up into a loft where he was about. We know the story. We're not going to read it all. But anyway, he laid down on him. Praise God. Anyway, raised him from the dead. In the New Testament, we have a right... We have a right to raise people from the dead. Amen. Acts 9. The Bible says Peter raised Tabitha from the dead. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Number 5. 1 Kings 18.40. We'll quit here in a minute. And Elijah said unto them, Take the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they took them. And Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. He killed the prophets of Baal. That's a, that's a representation or type and shadow of a New Testament believer. In Luke 10, 19, we have power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and nothing shall by any means harm us. Hallelujah. That's the same thing as treading on Baal. Same old spirit. Same old devil. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> number six, 1 Kings 18, 1 and 2. Kind of got ahead there. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. I'm telling you what, it took boldness to go show himself and to obey God and to show himself to Ahab. This is a New Testament believers are to have bold obedience. Obeying God takes boldness. It's not easy. Some of you... Don't walk in faith because you're looking for something easy. It's not pleasant always to obey God. Now, it, it reaps good fruit. It reaps pleasantness, but it's not pleasant initially. It's not pretty. We said that this morning. Faith isn't pretty. Faith isn't pretty. It's not, faith is not proper. Faith is, sometimes it's messy. It's that... Stuff that pushes through the crowd. Get out of my way. I'm getting to Jesus. Tears roofs off of houses. Runs up, puts black marks all over the walls of the church. So we have to paint. It's messy. It ain't pretty. I know when Jane Roll had a, in Birmingham had cancer. I mean, was going to die. 
They had a service one night, and they said Pat Rowe ran up the wall. Now, that's a demonstration, too. Uh, she's alive. Hallelujah. Now, they could have sat in their seat and been real prim and pauper. And if God wants to heal me, you know he will. No, it's, it's messy sometimes. It ain't pretty. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And Acts 4 says, Lord, grant boldness. You can pray for boldness. It's scriptural. Number 7, 1 Kings 18.46. <clears throat> Hallelujah. And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah, and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. He ran, he outran Ahab's chariot. And this is the New Testament believer. Listen, has supernatural strength. The New Testament believer that's in faith has supernatural strength. Isaiah 40, 31 says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Hallelujah. You aren't going to get that kind of supernatural strength. I'm so tired. Oh, life's hard. It's so hard. Oh, it's hard. No, you won't get that that way. Hallelujah. Joel 3.10 says, Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the weak say, I am strong. You know, as long as we stay in faith, believe in God, we will do supernatural exploits. The whole key, the whole key to everything, the whole key to getting healed is cancer. You know, to just walk in, just, just to walk in, just walking out of it, nobody even really knows how. You know, some people are trying to figure out the how too much. The, no, the whole key is just stay in faith. Just stay in faith. And you'll just, like Jesus, just walk through the crowd. They're trying to stone him. Trying, and, and you know, he didn't have supernatural protection because he'd left all his divinity behind. We know that. And they would take up stones and try to stone him and try to throw him off a cliff. Well, what did he do? Well, he just stayed in faith. And, when it was, and he would just walk through them. And you really couldn't explain how he did it. And that's how our lives are supposed to be, where we really can't explain it. I can't explain how we paid the bills this month. I can't explain it. I can't explain how, you're, well, how could you live in the house you're living in? I can't explain it. It was, just a, 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 it was just a faith walk. That's all it was. How have you stayed there? It's supernatural. Uh, the, the, the nobody really knows or understands. I mean, they, in Seminole, they were like, how does that church, you know, because you know, all the denominational churches were basically doing nothing. And here we were, this little church out in the country, four miles out in the country, metal building. It was deja vu when we saw these things. We were like, not again, Lord. No, we just, we've already come from that. No parking lot. You know, but ours did already have the awning, a metal awning. It wasn't this pretty. And, uh, and uh, needed to be remodeled, just like this one did. I was like, and that one was really nice. It had orange carpet, four feet, five, four or five feet up the wall. Orange, burnt orange carpet on the floor and five feet up the wall. Oh, Lord Jesus in heaven. Whew. Anyway, <coughs> hallelujah. <coughs> what was I going to say? Oh, anyway, and so we go, we, we believe God. And one, we're driving home from Odessa one day. And the Lord says, uh, gave us a supernatural idea. Just drop down in us how to pay off the church. Just a supernatural idea. And uh, it was basically, uh, it was basically this. Uh, invite uh, 10, I think we owed $30,000 on the church. 
He said divide it up into three parts. 10,000, 10,000, 10,000. Invite 10 people. Was it 10? Am I getting this right? Yeah. Invite 10 families in the church. He told us what 10 families. To give $500 to challenge the church. They would give $500 in each segment. So it would be a $1,500 gift for them. They would have to believe God. And, uh, <coughs> and, uh, and so the 10 families would be, help me with this. I'm getting bogged down. Anyway, so their part, 10 families, $500, would be $5,000. But they would challenge the church. Church, when you, when you raise $5,000, we'll match it with our $5,000. That'll be $10,000. We'll play off one-third of the church. And we'll do this in three segments. And so we had a dinner at the state place and invited the 10 families. All of them accepted the challenge. Yeah, we'll take the challenge. We'll do, the, we'll do $500 in each segment. Of course, God knew they would because he had this all planned. And so first Sunday morning, pastor presented it. Guess what came in? $5,000. So that, 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 those, those 10 families had to come up with their $500 piece, and we paid off a third of the mortgage. And then we did the next one, and I think it took about, um, it took about three months to do it. And we paid off the second third of the mortgage. And then about three, four months later, we paid off. The, and we, so burned our mortgage. Hallelujah. And after we did that, we said, okay, God, what's next? What's next? You know, most churches, oh, well, let's, do, let's just sit on our can. No. <laughs> no, it's like, oh, wait, what's next? So we uh, opened a youth center in town, rented an old uh, grocery store, big grocery store. And now it's the Dollar General there. But anyway, big grocery store, big, big. And... Uh, went in there and painted the wall, painted and painted and painted and painted and did a graphic on the walls all the way around because this is our new youth wave. Did it for youth. Now the churches, they got to talking about us. How's that church doing that? And they said we was dealing drugs. <laughs> That's how we was making our money, we was dealing drugs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, we're supposed to be doing exploits. We're supposed to, you're supposed to be making the world say, my gosh, are they dealing drugs over there? What are they doing? What are they doing? How, is the, how are they driving that car? I know where they work. How are they doing it? I don't know. I'm just in faith. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, you, I heard you hurt your knee. Are you going to have, or did you go to the doctor? Well, no. Or, or, well, you know, you, you know, you, aren't you going to have surgery? No. Why not? Hallelujah. Faith. Hallelujah. No condemnation. Stand up. Glory to God. Whoo. 